1: She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework.
0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to the rework. I think we can all agree that the last couple of years, there's been some dark spots. It's been hard. And I think sometimes we feel like everything seems hard and like we're pushing things uphill. But today's guest is going to help you feel differently. My guest is Miss Cindy Crawford from Houston, Texas of Cindy Crawford Photography. And anybody that's met Cindy, anybody that knows Cindy knows she is a ray of sunshine and a font of wisdom. Some of it has been gleaned from her mother who raised her to think well of herself and to think well of others. And she's going to share some of that wisdom with us. And we are going to talk about what we are doing to heal the pain of the world and how we can use the skills that we have as photographers to help our clients see the best in themselves and each other. Can't wait. Let's do it. Well, I am so excited to welcome the one, the only Cindy Crawford (laughs) to the Rework Podcast. So I have to tell my Cindy Crawford story. Can I tell my Cindy Crawford story before you talk? Of course. Okay. So I don't know exactly what year it was, but it was a darkened room in a talk that I had to give it imaging one year I think it was and in- I was, yeah. And I think it was in Nashville. Was it Nashville? No, Atlanta.
2: I think it was Atlanta. It was yeah. Atlanta.
0: And I was feeling nervous. And so to get over my nerves, I go into the audience and talk to people and you were right there and you were so kind and so encouraging to me. And it just made me feel not scared at all. And I felt like I had at least one friend in the room. So thank you for that. That's my first recollection. and And my opinion of you has not changed since then. I only
2: just love you more. That is so sweet that I feel the same way about you. Seriously.
0: Well, I appreciate you.
2: And so, I can't imagine you being nervous. Oh yes. No,
0: always for sure. So I wanted to have you on the podcast because you're also a member, a founding member, no less of our mind shift membership. And you always contribute such great insights and wisdom and I feel like you're just the backbone of the community. And so I didn't want to keep that under lock and key. I wanted to share that with all of our listeners today. So I would love for you to kind of tell a little bit about yourself, and then I'm going to ask you some questions.
2: Okay. Well, my name is Cindy Crawford. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, the panhandle of Texas. And I've always loved photography. There is a picture that I have to find somewhere in all of my mother's albums of me with a camera at a church groundbreaking. And I take my camera and I've always loved photography. And my degree is in education from the University of Texas and taught school for five years, then wanted to stay home, but also have always was raised by a mom that I think had the same struggle that I did. She was really, I think she was a real power woman and didn't know it. And mm. she wanted to work and loved working, but she also wanted to be home. And so she told him, "I can't work past three o'clock. I want to be there when Cindy walks in." And so you're I an
0: only she, child, right?
2: Only child. Okay. And she had all her eggs in one basket. I perfect and, child. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, not quite that, but. <laughs> I'll have to tell you some funny stories about that later. And I I really have always felt a drive inside me. And I do better when I'm working. I do better when I am producing and have deadlines and feel very accomplished at the end of the day. So I was staying home with my second child and I was just what can I do to be a good mom? That that struggle to be a yeah. good mom. Yeah. It's that and,
0: binary. If you're a good mom, you don't. Do things for yourself, yeah,
2: you know? yeah.
0: And if you do things for yourself, you're not a good mom. That's just right. Bull crap.
2: Yeah. It is. But anyhow, in fact, I got a text from someone today that she was felt like I was her own personal mentor. <laughs> that because I what she saw my drive to be a good mom and be a good business person. And it's funny because I don't remember projecting that particularly. Yeah, about it, right? Just something. But we kind
0: else. of don't know what we can't be the judge of what what we actually put out there, right? It's kind of our, the interpretation of how other people see us, which is always fascinating, but kind of frightening at the same time. Mm -hmm.
2: And what they pick up that you like, oh, did I say that? Or did I mean that? Right? Did they interpret it a certain way? But nonetheless, I wanted to do something. And a friend of mine said that, she said, Cindy, you've always got your camera. Why don't you do something with photography? So I had, previous to this, I had taken all kinds of classes back when there were little individual camera stores. Sure. Have lecture. camera yeah. come in. so I took all of those all around Houston. Then I went to Rice University and took a continuing education course. And that was a semester long course. The professor said, by the way, I'm doing a class in San Miguel de Allende this summer, and it'll be two, three week sessions. and I was like, I'm going, and I had a one-year-old and I left three weeks to San Miguel and I still can't believe I did it, but I had wonderful, a wonderful mother and a wonderful mother-in-law that backed me up and supported me. That's so great. My kids. And so I spent three weeks photographing in San Miguel de Allende and came home, opened a business and it was memories by Cindy and it was photographing children, birthday parties. Well, it took about, so when was this? That was in 1980. See, Kristen was born in 78, so about 81. Okay. Or 80, because I had a one year old. She was born late 78. Okay. So I opened a business, decided real quick that I didn't want to go to children's birthday parties. But what I realized was that after the birthday party, I spent time photographing the child and did portraits. Yes. So that was kind of step one. And though so I decided to start a portrait business. And my friend Sue Bennett, who I love dearly and owe so much to, called me and said, you have got a session on Wednesday and they're expecting you. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not good enough yet. And she said, well, that's too bad because they want you to come. That's and I awesome. was the substitute teaching. And in one session, I made more than I did the whole month substitute teaching. And I was like, oh, I can do this.
0: Yeah. So
2: that's kind of how it all started. So I
0: love that. What I'm taking away from that is part of it's luck, but part of it is your own drive. You were lucky to be born to a mother who facilitated your dreams and and what you wanted to do. You were lucky that you had a mom that was a driver herself, maybe a little bit of a woman before her time, so to speak, but she was perfectly willing to facilitate you. And then also your your willingness to do something really scary that even as you're telling me, I can't believe I did it. Hmm. But I went away with a one-year-old. I'm sure there was a lot. It had to be a lot of internal judgment about that at the time. Like, how dare I do it? But you did it anyway, because you felt yeah. compelled to do it. So I think that those are really good. And those kids, they were living in hog heaven with the grandmas. <laughs>
2: yes, they were.
0: <laughs> Nobody's going to be a cat on a couch at 40 over being no. left for a couple of weeks while you went. and.
2: They absolutely are not.
0: I love that. Okay. So that is awesome. Okay. So a lot of the things that you have shared with us in the Mind Shift membership have been wisdom from your mom.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: tell me a little bit about your mom. she has a very great name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Elma Burling brought us Lynn. Yes. <laughs> Elma Burl. Emma Burrell. That's right, Aunt B. And I really have to also interject that I had a wonderful father too. I talk a lot about my mother because my mother seemed to, I guess, maybe just being a woman and I I really saw her drive, but I also had great input from my dad. A lot of which was making me say whether it was my neater or my wanter. And one time he told me my wanter worked overtime. So a lot of the financial side, Mm -hmm. I think the, I think maybe came from him as well, but with my mom, she grew up in the depression. She Mm -hmm. didn't get to go to a lot of things after school and she had to go home. So she always felt a little bit ill at ease in social situations. And she put me in a lot of social situations. I don't think it was like, oh, I'm going to, she just wanted me to be comfortable and at ease. And I do think that's one of the things that I do best is I can fit in with this, a person this way, or it, it doesn't, I can. But she had specific
0: ideas about that.
2: Like she didn't just
0: say, oh, I want you to fit in. But she said there were specific things. What did she say to you? There were specific okay.
2: things she said to she you. She said, Cindy, I want you to go up and go and learn how to be with people. And then she would add all kinds of people. And then she would say and find something you like about them. And I think that that was without a doubt. If I had to probably say one thing that what's the thread through my Mm -hmm. whole life was learning how to love people. And it just, even now, I feel like it just, it's just my natural reflex to someone comes in and you're looking at, you just are scanning them for the good. Yeah. Then you figure out, well, what is it I like about them? And you, so it's easy to photograph people. And love them and seeing the good in them.
0: Right. But that's a superpower. And I think I'm going to tell you something from the outside looking in that it might seem easy for you because that's how you were raised and your mom was very intentional in parenting you that way. But that is not something that comes natural to everybody. And not everybody was raised that way. Clearly, the situation that our country is in right now is that if everybody had been raised by Elma Beraldine, that we would be in a lot better place, right? Because we would be understanding and loving each other. But I think there's something, there's a germ there that I just want to call out that it's so true that if you really love people and you can see the good, I've, I've had people say to me many times, you just, all of your clients are so good looking. And I'm like, well, I think they are too. But if you really break it down, you could probably say, maybe that's not technically true. But when you believe that somebody has worth and that you truly love something about everybody that you photograph, they really are beautiful. I
2: couldn't agree more. It's almost like you take the layers off that might be body language offensive. Sure. Just start, they're comfortable and they just bloom. They just become themselves. I tend to think that God didn't make, I lean a lot on my faith and I feel that God says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So I take him at his word. Yeah. And so I think that person is truly fearfully and wonderfully made. They can be totally opposite, but I still can enjoy. There's something great in there. So for people that
0: maybe either are shy, maybe more introverted, feel like maybe they struggle socially or maybe feel like, yeah, I don't love everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I just kind of started this as a side hustle thinking I could make some extra money, but I don't actually love everybody. Do you feel like that's something that you could develop? And if you could, is there a couple of steps that maybe you could give our listeners that if they, or maybe if they're feeling a little burnt out by overpeopling, that has to happen to you. You have to, in the busy season, get to the point where you're like, okay, I've just people too much today. What do you do to overcome that? Or how
2: would you suggest you know- it? I don't get tired of the people. I really don't. I feed on, in fact, Kathy will be like, you got to find someone to photograph. because." And even when I was married, Gary was like, you need to photograph someone. I just am energized by it. What I am not energized by is sitting at that computer and trying mm. to sort through things. So that's what frazzles me. But interesting to find the good in people Maybe that's just how I'm wired. I don't know. But I do think, let me give you a little bit, maybe this is digressing and maybe, I think this applies. Do it. I had such a good year last year and I had really paid my tax making those estimated payments. Sure. And I still owed. So my CPA told me, why don't you open a SEP IRA? Mm -hmm. Now, I was raised... Mother and daddy both taught me things, but I also got the message, you need to get a good man and let him handle those things. Mm -hmm. This year, by myself, I go to the Fidelity and open up a SEP IRA, and I made myself sit there in the uncomfortableness and the anxiousness and the anxiety of Making a decision, being in control of the decision. And I just sat there and I thought, my heart is pounding. I am making, I ask all the questions and I learned to, I am learning over the past few years to sit in my uncomfortableness, my anxiety, my uncomfortable. I'm I'm not yeah. used to I think I've done a really good job of managing my business. But making investment decisions and things like that are uncomfortable and anxiety producing. So I think put yourself in those situations and then just look at the people and find out one an Uber Uber driver once asked me if I was a lawyer. And I said, no, I was married to one once. And he said, well, you sure ask lots of questions. That's hilarious have to do is ask people about themselves and be truly interested in them. And, that. and then just go ahead. Well, and I'm going to rewind back to the first time I remember watching someone, how they acted and behaved in a manner that I want to copy. Mm-hmm. And her name was Joan Snodgrass and it was back. Gary was in law school and I watched how Joan acted so enthusiastic and let's get together sometime. And her voice was full of enthusiasm. And I literally made a decision. I can act like that. And I did. And I it was the first time that I remember watching someone and thinking I can copy. Yeah. Well,
0: you also saw the value in like being around somebody like that. At that. I mm-hmm. want to be like that. So, and I think, don't you think when you start down a road like that, whenever you're trying something new, it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you have to stick with it, work through the mm-hmm. uncomfortable. There is always that little bit of fake it till you make it. Like maybe you don't a hundred percent feel it. So somebody that's maybe an introvert is getting into this business feeling like maybe they don't really gel with clients or as much as they would like to, that it comes with practice, just like the craft of photography itself.
2: It comes with practice.
0: Right that comes with practice. And I think the older we get, I've also heard photographers say, you know, I think it's maybe just too late. Maybe I just got started too late. And I'm like, oh honey, I feel like the older I get, the more I have the superpower of age in that, that maturity and that ability to help like younger parents with their kids and talk to younger moms. I feel like that's just as much part of the experience as
2: photographing them and helping them parent their kids. And you feel like you absolutely have, actually have knowledge and value, and you yeah. think, oh, don't worry about that. Or it's okay if you're a few minutes late. I, the other day, I photographed a family that was in trouble, and meaning that they were not sure they were going to make it as a family. Yeah. And I sat and talked to the dad. I sat and talked to the mom, and I said, mm-hmm. "Receive this gift from your husband that he wants to have a wonderful family portrait," and talked to the dad about chilling with its kids if they were being a little bit crazy, getting ready or whatever. And if you saw those pictures, you would never know that was a family in trouble. And when he left, he turned around and looked to me. Well, when he left the session, he looked at me and he goes, I think we did it. And then he texted me and said, we had a blast. Mm -hmm. Then when we, they came to see the viewing and ordering, he said, when he left, they ordered, I had a sizable order then he said to me, when he walked out the door, he kind of winked and said, we had a very good result from this. Now what that, and even if it does fall apart, those grown boys are going to remember. Yeah. Our family is, we are, there is value here. Yeah. And I feel like I can, I'm old enough now to say, say those things. If I was 20, I don't think I could say him with such authority in a shirt.
0: No. And you'd be worried about the clothes and you're just not in that same place. You don't have the same perspective. Yeah, I love it. It's like, I think about, I don't know if you ever read the book, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In.
2: No, I haven't read it, but I've heard. I mean, it's I... great. You
0: know, it's great. And I mean, it is like balls to the wall, girl power, lean in, be at the boardroom, you know, drive, drive, drive. But I read right after that, I read Ariana Huffington's Thrive. Mm-hmm. And she's an older, so she's in her sixties, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's like was in, I think her forties when she wrote that book to see the difference in those two women, both powerhouses, both amazing businesswomen, but Ariana Huffington's is definitely much more about family and just more perspective. And I, I really loved, I loved reading both of those books for that reason. And I think what you're, you're such an example of is You've been the married young mom, Mm -hmm. you've been the single older woman, you've Mm -hmm. been the business owner for many years, and you've always made that work for you in all of those iterations. You know, when you've had little kids and older kids and now empty nester type kids. And so going back to Beryl Dean, mom, I want to ask you about, there was something that she said, oh, you know what? It was from church. Hang on. That was not the same thing. There was something that you said on a and a a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about the wise men and that sort of thing. So if anybody's listening to this and you're thinking that we're going to get religious on you, don't turn it off because this is applicable regardless of your faith practice. So
2: exactly. And I do, I mean, one of my really wonderful new friends who's young, mm-hmm. who said she thought I was a personal mentor. She is Muslim and I love her. We just love being around her. If you want to call it the universe, if you want to call it God. It doesn't doesn't matter. matter Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. But I was in a Bible study and the speaker leader was talking about gold, frankincense and myrrh. And she explained what each one of them was used for. And she, of course, gold is obvious, but the frankincense, she explained that. And then she talked about myrrh and she said, myrrh was used to heal pain. And she then asked me or asked the group, not me, the group, but I heard it as if it was to me. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to heal the pain of the world? Allison, without a doubt, I heard, and <laughs> I don't know how to tell you, Cindy, that is what your business is going to do. And mm. I uh, so good. felt like I had a real, real strong mission, strong here's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I have kind covered. of your, why, like your purpose, a purpose a purpose. Yeah. 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 So I love that
0: because when you, just that story that you just told about that family, I think many of us who've been in business for quite a while have had situations like that, where somebody looks at images and they're like, you know, it looks like we're happy, but I don't know if we're going to make it or you've seen fights happen, or you've seen a really lovely family, but maybe they have a kid that's struggling. Mm -hmm. And there's so many hard things that kids are dealing with right now, especially over the last couple of years. And that is something that we, that photography, portrait photography in particular, we really can help heal the pain of families and heal the pain of the world by showing them their best selves.
2: It might be for one, one 100th of a second. Yeah. (laughs) But this is take all the anger away, take all the resentment, the, the list of things you've kept. And look, look how we look. And I can also say it from a divorce point of view. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the story I wanted. I would have not written that, but it is not the only story that has a good ending. And I can encourage them, give this a try. I mean, I always called it, and I've always done this, is I called it flipping your thinking. So learn to flip your thinking and think in a different way. What? Well, how can I look at this situation differently?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And how can I look at that husband I'm married to differently? Or that mm-hmm. child, is there something that the child is, how can I see differently? How yeah. can I see perhaps the pain or the things that they are struggling with and Yeah. In
0: a different way. And we we can provide that because we are that, you could call it a disinterested third party. You could call it a a photographer. You have the eyes. You really are, you're trying to show that family at their best, not just the skinniest, not just the youngest, but actually that they love each other. And you're trying to show that because it's there, but sometimes you got to, you got to dig for it just a little bit.
2: I've always kind of recently come up with the phrase of, someone who loves to find joy and save it. And that's what I think we're doing is we are finding the joy, whether we're uncovering everything and then we see it, we're going to save it. We're going to put it on Mm -hmm. the wall and we're going to say, you are so important to me. And this is why I'm doing it. Not only is it the kids know they're important, but that the parents are reminded, wait a minute, this
0: is why we're doing it. Well, and just, especially now coming out of the last couple of years, I think in particular, the value of our businesses. And I think that's why so many portrait photographers are doing so well right now is that people think, oh, well, it's, they've realized that they could lose a family member. So they want to make sure and document them. Absolutely. That's part of it. But another part of it is that just wanting to feel connected, wanting to feel Mm -hmm. normal again, feeling like maybe we've missed time. I feel like I've missed a year or two, you know, somewhere in there. I feel like we're just getting back to normal, but also just looking at and there's all the, the trite comparisons, right? What you focus on when you think of all the terms of photography, light and focus and all that. But it really is true that if we focus on the good, mm-hmm. we absolutely will find it. And not only will we find it, but we will help our clients find it in each other Right. and we'll make the experience so much more valuable to mm-hmm. them. And that's such a valuable thing.
2: Because we underestimated, maybe they can see good. And this For one sure. family, he said, "I hope this doesn't happen, but if it does, well, we'll work through it." And so in there, I he said he wanted a picture of the two of them and the,
0: the mother and the father,
2: and the father. Yeah. And we're, the first one, they're kind of. I'll send it to you. They're kind of sitting, you know, they're sitting there. I said, "Throw your arms around her," and he threw his arms around her, and she's she's leaning in more than you would think. Yeah, and. So when we saw that, the when we, I showed him the, when the view and order, he said, oh, I have to have that picture. I love my arms around her. And I said, do you know how much I'd love to have my ex-husband's arms around me? I can say those things. I mean, that comes out of pain for me. And so you can let them see it in another light, I guess. Am I making, is that making sense? Well,
0: it's making sense because what you're saying is you're sharing, you're also sharing yourself. You're willing to open yourself up to them and be, I mean, the word is overused lately, but vulnerable, you know, just to show yourself in real ways. And I do that a lot, not by design, but just because that's who I am. I mean, you know, you stand in the line with me at a local convenient mart. By the time we're up to the counter, we're going to be best friends because I'm going to like overshare and tell you too many things. about. Maybe that's why we get along. So well.
2: we're going to dinner and and
0: then we're we're, just going to tell you my whole entire life story. Yeah. But I am a connector in that I like to find the common ground. I don't necessarily always look for the good in people as much as you do That is a developed thing for me, but I do feel like we are all so much more alike than we are different. Hmm. And I didn't really know that until I was a younger mom and, and I had my second child had been diagnosed with autism. And there was this woman in this mom's group that kept trying to get me to come to the mom's group. All of us have autistic kids, you know, it's a mom's group. And I just kept thinking, is this going to be like, you're sitting around in like a church basement on chairs and like, hi, my name is Alice and I have an autistic child. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that. Like this is weird. Plus they were different age than me. They were just different than me in my mind. Okay. So they, they weren't in my church group or they weren't in my neighborhood or whatever. And so finally it was going to get to the point where it was going to be rude for me not to go. So I went, and we laughed our heads off because we talked about like all the dumb, weird things that our kids did that you can't really talk about with moms who have typical kids, because then it looks like you're making fun of your poor child that has autism, but we are dying laughing because they're just nuts, you know, but in like the most, the funniest way. And it was so healing. And I realized, okay, these women are different age than me. They're, they have are different stages in life, but we actually all really want the same things. And that was a huge lesson to me. Now at my age, I think, well, of course you dim bulb. Of course that's true. But for anybody that's listening to this, that may not know that, (laughs) that might think, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes you think, oh, that client is such a pain. Or I think if we look for the good and we look for the common, Mm -hmm. we can really get on the same page. And it not only helps us be better humans and better business people, but it really helps your photography, the actual result be better. Right. You know, I think we all could say that we would like more really great qualified leads. But what happens when we get contacted by a potential new client? We sometimes have that pit in our stomach of, Oh, it's not a good time right now. I don't want to call them. What if they ask me hard questions? Oh, I don't really know that I have the words to say. And we put it off until we call and they've already booked somebody else. Or maybe we don't ever call or we're just letting things fall through the cracks. So if you're ever find yourself in this type of situation and you feel like I just don't know the words to say, or I don't know how to talk to these people, or am I doing it wrong? I have a solution for all three of those things. If you go to do the rework.com, we have three different free resources for you. One is our ultimate client consultation guide that is going to help you step-by-step walk that prospective client through your process, how it is that you work. It has all the little speed bumps, so to speak, along the way to help you remember to say all the things that you need to say. Next is our cheat sheet of frequently asked difficult questions that has an exhaustive list of all the hard questions that clients come up with that will help you get started on answering those confidently so that you don't have that feeling in the pit of your stomach anymore. And you're going to pick up that phone immediately. And lastly is our sales sabotage evaluation tool. And that is going to help you to figure out where you are screwing it up because we all do at one time or another. So go to do the rework.com and wherever you're at in your business, if you're needing to rework your message, if you're needing to rework your answers, if you're needing to rework your sales process, they are all right there on that very first page. They are free. They are resources to help you in your business. Go do it, download them now and start doing better. Start booking those clients confidently and start selling them your gorgeous, beautiful work because they need it.
2: And I think what you said about being a connector, I think that is a skill that I had, but it also grew as Mm -hmm. I learned to connect this person and refer this person and Mm. say, I love her. And connecting is so easy now. It just sometimes I think, why wouldn't somebody be doing that? Sure. And along that line, what I think I mentioned to you too, that Kathy and I, when people come in and they act in a way that's not. Like, whoa, what's going on? Mm we have learned to put what's happening. And I've learned to do this in lots of situations, not just business. Put that behavior in the suspend pile. And we kind of have an imaginary suspend pile. And when then we just don't have enough information to decide, oh, well, she's just rude or I don't want to photograph her or whatever. Put it over in the suspend pile. Get more information. And invariably, if you will give it some time, you will either see them in another light, or as one lady came in who was just really being difficult, and she came in the next week and said, I want to apologize to you. Said, I took my husband, I found out that day my husband had cancer, and I Mm. took it all out on you. Mm. If you can just, as you've said so many times, sit back, breathe, just listen for a minute, tell me more. Yeah. And, yeah. and you find out a lot more. So I
0: love that concept of, so what you're saying is, if I'm understanding like when something that could be construed as negative, like a client is driving you crazy or something, you put it in the suspend pile mentally. It's just a mental construct of, I'm just not going to make a judgment on that right now. Let's just set that over there and then we'll see if we have more information. Okay. So I definitely needed that this week. I needed my own suspend pile because we had something come up that I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is, yeah, I can't give you details, but anyway, there was just a situation where I just thought I was going to lose my mind. And I was making up all these stories in my mind about what this client meant by it, you know, what was in her mind. And none of that was true, exactly. but I just got somebody just saying, got twisted around the axle, you know, <laughs> around. and I just went off into a spiral that was not even necessary.
2: And you know? I think what you said, we make up stories, probably most of the stories we make up well, they're not going to be true. It's not going to be one of those, but no. we're so convinced that they're trying to whatever. Yeah. Or the sto- like, and the stories are always,
0: you notice that the stories usually that we are making up are never positive. It's never, right. you know, she's probably just having a bad day or whatever. It's always like, she hates me. She's out to get me. I mean, mm-hmm. my mom, God rest her soul. She was a force of nature and she was a powerhouse and a Pro woman feminist before feminists were a, even a thing. But she also, along with that, had, she was a warrior, big time, big time warrior. And when I went through my divorce, I ended up going to her shrink. And I said a couple of things to him and he just started to laugh. And this is such a HIPAA violation, but he's dead. So it doesn't even matter. But he goes, Oh my gosh, I know where that thought came from. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, if 10% of the things your mom worried about ever actually happened, she would have had the worst life of anybody that I know. She would have been worse than Joe. We are connected
2: then (laughs) probably sisters because Mother worried more. She worried enough for. I think my daddy once said, "Your mother worries enough for ten people and for everybody." Yep. I mean, yep. like I can't. I just I couldn't do all that worrying. I just wasn't yeah. up do it. And well, she she did it for you, so you didn't have to. That's, and that's I what I be yeah. well rested for the funeral. So yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'm, exactly. not gonna worry. I'm not going to worry. Exactly. One of my
0: girl that was my first studio manager. She had a a ring that said carved into it said, "Worry is not preparation." And I thought, ooh, that is so mm. good because it's like you can sit and stew about something and think about all the possible things that are going to happen. Usually they're all negative, mm-hmm. or you can just, how about let's just wait and see what happens? Let's put it on the suspend pile.
2: <laughs> and it isn't that. It really isn't. I mean, let's, okay, so let's do one negative and one positive. Why do we default to negative? It's
0: a human nature. I think, you know, mm. I don't know if a psychologist would say it was because we were. If we didn't do that, then we'd step outside and be eaten by the saber-toothed tiger or something. I don't know. Or just mothers. That's mothers too. You know, you're just worried about your kids. You worry about all the possible negative things that can happen. Well, I love that. What else? Anything else? Okay. That you, any, yeah. any other wisdom that you would like to share with us today?
2: Yeah. I will tell you the things that I remember besides going out to learn how to be with people. Mother always told me to remember who you are, Cindy. And actually the day before she died, she gave me almost this list one more time. And she was, I don't know how she rallied and told me, but she told me to, re- and I think to remember who I was, I think that is very important as mm-hmm. women to remember who we are aside from husbands, aside from children, mm-hmm. even aside from my business, I'm going to have a real hard time remembering who I am, not photographing, but yeah. I think it's important for us to remember who we are as business owners and how we want, what do we want our business to be like? Mm -hmm. And one thing I heard, a quote I heard this week that I really liked was sometimes we have to discover who we are and sometimes we have to rediscover who we Mm -hmm. are. But another thing that she told me was don't let it go deep. And I think that's probably the second most important thing was that I don't sit and let it fester. Mm And that kind of has to do with the suspend pile. I don't take it in and I just don't let it go deep. Don't let it go to your core. Well, and
0: I think that goes along with knowing who you are when you remember who you are. Well, in order to remember who you are, you have to, at some point, have known what that was. And so yeah. that's going to be a lot of different things depending on your family of origin, depending on how you were raised. You know, are you a child of God or do you have infinite worth? What, mm-hmm. what was the practice that you were raised of who you actually are? Yeah. I mean, I feel that every human being has that infinite worth. I do too. It's a lot easier for me to tell you about your worth than it is for me to remember my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that it that's sometimes that's a struggle is to remember like, no, okay, I am worthy, I am yeah. worth all these things because the world kind of beats you down.
2: Or I think we feel like we have to even maybe play down. I, I think it's important to learn to be able to say thank you and stop. Oh, yeah. Not, oh, I'm a, anyone, it just wasn't that hard, or oh, I don't know. It, it could have been, I mean, just stop all that. Stop putting yourself down or explaining or making it less than, and I used to tell my mother, I'd say, Mom, you look so pretty today. Oh, my old big feet. And her last name was Broadus. And yeah. Aunt Ruby made fun of her and called her Broadass when she ran across the street uh, today. My and goodness. mother never got over it. And yeah. she had to. That dang Aunt Ruby. That dang Aunt Ruby. I'm going to talk to her when I get there. Yeah, Ruby, that one nice.
0: And Ruby has a lot to answer
2: for. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest things I work on is to be, and in fact, I even jokingly called Mary Fist Taylor out on it and said, don't tell me you're not good at this. You are, I mean, we, we want to go, oh, but Photoshop's hard, or I don't get this, or you know what? You are the president of PP of A. Yeah. Don't tell me what you can't do. I mean, right. I, if you would have seen that, seriously, I could not be president of something. I would not get it all done. And well, and I I know exactly what you're talking about
0: because we tend to poo-poo, and because we don't want to be seen as being egotistical or whatever. But I think there is something there, and I really noticed it in myself. I can't even say that I have a solution or I, I've arrived at some thought process that has resolved it. But I realize I actually have a big problem receiving. I think as an oldest child, you're like a helper. You got that dialed in. I'll help. I'll teach. I'll be there. I'll help, help, help. That's Mary to a T. But to receive is a different thing. That's hard to receive a compliment. To receive even good fortune in a way is kind of like, like you just expect that maybe bad things are going to happen and it's a surprise when they don't, or if some good fortune comes along, you kind of are looking around like, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? This can't Mm -hmm. possibly
2: be happening in my world. That's so funny because last year I doubled my income, my growth. And that's another thing. I never could figure out the difference between gross and net. So (laughs) I had to remember that it's gross that all you get is net. I love it. So there's your accounting tip for the day. Okay. That's and the Cindy Crawford accounting tip. Okay. Yes, it is. It. it is. Anne Monteith has used it several times in her lectures. And I think maybe, I'm not sure this is what I was saying, but I am learning to accept those things that I'm, here's what I've learned to say. That is a wonderful area of opportunity for me. Mm. I'm not, rather good, than I suck at that. I'm not good at that yet. Yeah. But that yes. is, that's one of my areas of opportunity for I, mm-hmm. and, I like. Okay, see this right here. People can't see us, can they? When they no, listen? no, no. We're we're on audio only. Well, this is when you talk. It's a paperweight. You're holding up a paperweight. Paperweight. And Gary ex husband, who I really still think is pretty fabulous, he had it made for me when I opened the studio. It said, "When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become strong." And it's Ephesians four twenty nine. And I had, okay, read it one more time. When you talk. Do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become strong. And I just think if we will, here's the other thing on my desk. Act old later. (laughs) I think that if we can lift others up, Mm -hmm. just get in the habit of finding one little something, maybe just something you like about them, and. It's funny, if you do that, it kind of sparks a whole nother thing of, you find you there's more to like than you were first seeing.
0: Right. It's a virtuous cycle. I mm-hmm. call it a virtuous cycle that when you go in the hole and you go negative mm-hmm. and you, we're always just going to find what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. We've heard it a million times. When you're we're negative, it's, you start picking, picking, you see more things. And then you feel like crap about yourself that you're that you're saying mm-hmm. those things that makes you think bad about yourself. And it just poisons everything. Whereas the opposite is true. You can think, okay, I got to think of one thing. And, you know, if you have a, anybody that has a 14 to 16 year old knows what I'm talking about, like <laughs> yeah. you, know, you something nice about that kid. I mean, thank goodness we are hardwired usually to kind of love our kids, but you look for that positive thing. And then if you respond to that, then that person responds to you positively. And it just builds that virtuous cycle that I've just had experience after experience with clients, people that I barely knew that have just been like little golden treasures in my, my life that transcend the transaction of money or anything like that being in business. It, it is actually, I really feel like that my relationship with my clients, especially their children, mm-hmm. it's like a compensatory blessing in so many ways in my life because I didn't have the typical mother journey my children, I was definitely much more of a caretaker role for them. And then I married uh, Ivan and with his five supposedly normal kids. And I, that has been like the best thing I ever did, but they were older. I didn't get them from that like little tiny. And so when I have a child that reacts to me and comes and shows me something or sits in my lap or kisses me on the cheek, it gives me a hug. That
2: feels something that I've never had that as a mom. It's just a treasure. It's a treasure. When I taught school, and that was before i had kids the first year and i keep up with some, i found them on facebook now they're in their 50s now so and cute. they all the ones i've found said you were my favorite teacher and i promise you it wasn't because i was the best teacher and it's cuz you loved them it's cuz i loved them yeah. it's because i i used to go they'd be at different tables and i'd say i'm going to and i just made an effort to catch them doing something right and mm put marks on the chalkboard of who's doing the most right things. And it was just, it just feeds on itself. And I know what I was going to tell you was that last year that with the gross doubled yeah. and the net doubled too. And you know what my first thought was in January? Oh, I don't know if I can do it again, you know? And, <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not going to put that out there. I am going to put out, and it, and it has been slow. I had a slow first, slower er first quarter it didn't feel as As, good as it should okay yeah and I just thought you know what I know who has me I know all things are working together for your good yes and so I'm not going to put I mean let back to let your words be positive or be helpful and those but that can also apply to me to yourself
0: absolutely it has to apply there first before it can apply anywhere else I totally believe that So I love it. So what do you attribute your double in income last year? What do you feel like was, were contributors?
2: Listen, Tyler Jones. Oh, brother. No, I I'm going to receive it. Thank you. you. I'm telling you, I think some of the words and I didn't, I still, I had such a busy year. I didn't get all the things done to get an A in the course. (laughs) I did enough. And a lot of that already had established business. I had a, I've asked people, may I ask how you got my name. Oh, your reputation. I love that. How lucky I am that I'm where I am. That's one of the benefits. But I learned to, I think, speak. I've always thought sales were pretty easy, but I got even more confident in what I was saying. I also was confident in not panicking if someone was not my client who was my niche. Who am I serving?
0: Being okay, letting people go and really focusing on the ones that were best
2: fit. Another thing I think that's really important too is learning to be comfortable that the phone's not going to ring quite as much for those people that are talking about how they're booked until the rest of the year. And you're going, really? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but my sales were way higher. They yep. just, I mean, so why would I want to do, I've always said from day one, I wanted people to come to me because I was good, not because I was cheap. Yep. That was Pre- so, it, and I didn't want to, I wasn't going to let someone take the business away from me. I had found what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I wasn't going to let somebody not let me pay my bills. So I had to go do some other business.
0: Right. Right. But in order to do that, you have to be priced appropriately and all of that, which for those that are listening to this and are like, what is she talking about? The course that she's talking about the art of selling art course that Cindy was a founding member (laughs) of. And so that was awesome to have you in that course. But yeah, I think there's so many things you already had. Like you said, you had the base, Mm -hmm. but it's just those fine nuances of getting a little bit more confident. And it is hard. I think it is hard when you read all the business books, you live in America, and it's always more, 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 more. But sometimes we don't want more. We want better. We want less clients, better clients, and to be able to have some time to actually live, breathe, be a mom, be a grandma, be whatever.
2: And to serve to truly, like you said, some of the things you said were just short sentences or short phrases of, I found that doesn't serve my clients like I'd like to. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, hmm, I think they've never thought of, I, th- I thought about when they asked for digital files, maybe what they know, and I will tell you, it goes back to putting that money in that IRA. Mm. I didn't want to make that. I was scared to make that decision, but sure. I had to because there was the tax date. Sure. I know that I am not a good decision maker unless I'm getting better and I'm learning to make a decision. And I bet other people know that about themselves. Well, it'd be a lot easier if I just had the digital files because then I wouldn't embarrass myself by not being able to make a decision. Digital site. Exactly. Maybe I know my husband and I are going to have a fight. We're going to disagree. Or, There are things they know that Mm -hmm. they may not be communicating to you. Yep. So what I've learned to say to them is, you know, especially if they come into the view in order, be Mm -hmm. sure you bring a decision maker. And then well, can we just go home and think about it? Well, what you don't need is more time. What you need is someone to help guide you through this. Exactly. Right now is the best us, we're gonna make a good decision because we're doing it and we're collaborating together. Yeah, You don't need more time.
0: No, You need a guide. Yep. Exactly. I love that. And I think that all of this, everything, you know, the wisdom that you've shared, everything, I think to bring it back around is just, it's providing that experience. It's seeing people for the best of who they really are and then handling them in a way I think so much of the sales training and everything out there is feels like trickery in some ways. Like let's overcome those objections. Let's just keep them in the room. Or maybe we could just really show them the value that we bring, which is like you say, the best decision you're going to make is when we're sitting here right in front of the screen together. Yes. And I'm going to show you exactly how it needs to be and the size and everything so that we're just going to avoid the mistakes. And then you're going to walk out of here done. The decision has been made and you don't have to think about it until I'm showing up at your house to hang it on the wall. Whereas otherwise it's a gallery and then you're twisting in the wind, trying to decide. And then you can feel me over Mm -hmm. here waiting on you. And then I'm nagging you and it doesn't, it's not
2: good for anybody. Or they go home and have a fight because they're looking at them. They, they can now have the fight that they wouldn't have in front of you. Exactly. And Kathy came up with a really good description today. And she said she was talking about a portrait instead of saying, how did you say it, Kathy, that it was it was a great investment. It has lifetime value. Sure. And I thought a portrait on the wall, the value will last a lifetime. Well, and like Tim Walden says,
0: its value is the lowest right now. Mm -hmm. It only is going to appreciate over time. So I love that. Well, I am so glad that you were raised by Beryl Dean (laughs) and I'm so grateful that I have received her of her bounteous wisdom. And I just love you. And I think so highly of you. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life and in our group and Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today.
2: I thank highly of you. And I want to end my wisdom by Dominique Soxa is someone who I really, she's a local news anchor, but she's really a very admirable woman. She's been around for 20. She just retired. She's, they've flown her to to be on the Today Show. She's in Houston, but she's got kind of a big deal, a big deal. And she said the other day, making bold moves has led to great blessings. And so we're going to make bold moves and we're going to do them prepared and we're going to pick a little ass. And <laughs>
0: I know. I love it. Well, and looking for the best in ourselves and others where we will find what we're looking for.
2: Yeah, we really do. And we yeah. can heal some pain in the world. I love that. I You're love the you. Best. I love you too. You're the best. I will see you
0: very soon. And thank you so much for spending time. Tell our listeners where they can find you on Instagram and what's your website?
2: Cindy underscore Crawford underscore photography, but Crawford is spelled differently. C-R-O-F-F-O-R-D. So Cindy underscore Crawford, C-R-O-F-F-O-R-D photography and Cindy Crawford photography.com.
0: Okay. We'll link it all in the show notes so that they can find you. Thank you so much. You're adorable. You are the best. See See you later. Okay. Bye. Have I told you lately how much I appreciate you being here? I know that you have so many demands on your time and so many demands on your attention. You could be watching Netflix. You could be listening to a true crime podcast, but you have spent time here at the rework learning to make your portrait business better. And that really means a lot to me. If there's somebody that you feel like could benefit from this episode, that you could help them and help us spread the word in helping other portrait photographers build better businesses, please go to where you're listening to this episode and hit that share button and share it with them. And if you have time and can give us a review, You don't even understand how much that means to a little tiny podcast like ours to see those reviews and see how we're helping. And if you have another minute and can send me a DM and let us know what you would like to hear in the future, what you really enjoyed hearing about, maybe things that weren't that great how we can do better. We always want to do better and we always want to support the portrait photography industry in helping you build the best businesses ever. Thanks again so much for being here.
1: You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at @do.the.rework.